What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Draft Takeover Podcast here on the Takeover Sports Network. And I'm taking a look at this 2022 NFL Draft, which seemed like in a blink of an eye, it just came and went, and all the picks have been made. The draft classes are finalized, and I decided to really take a look at some of these head-scratching picks, some of those great value additions that team made, and then the, the strategies that really went into this draft by each team. And of course, there was some losers in this draft, but on this episode, I'm going to talk about my biggest winners of the 2022 NFL Draft and the picks that I really like the most and which team's really going to get a lot out of their new additions. So let's take a look at the winners of the 2022 NFL Draft. The 2022 NFL Draft had a lot of trades, but there were also a ton of picks. And speaking of picks, I want to talk to y'all real quick about prize picks, who might be the best pick of the draft. We here at Takeover Sports Network have teamed up with prize picks, and they have a special offer for all of our listeners and viewers. New users that deposit and use the promo code TAKEOVER will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Price picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players and on an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Price picks has a ton of stats to choose from, including points, rebounds, assists, three pointers, uh, fantasy points, and more. And then when the football season hits, you'll see yardage and touchdowns and so on. But Price Picks offers every sport you can think of, like the NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Price Picks has an award-winning and easy-to-use mobile app, which you can find on both App Store and Google Play. Price Pick entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So if you're looking for a fun and easy way to play daily fantasy, be sure to check out Price Picks, and don't forget to use the promo code TAKEOVER so they know that we sent you, and you can get that free money. That's Price Picks. Promo code take over. Now, speaking of some really good picks, I want to start out with a team that, you know, they're they're headed in the right direction. A team that had a lot of high draft picks and also traded up to get some extra picks. And for me, that is the New York Jets, who picked second last year, selected their quarterback of the future. And, you know, I think it's headed in the right way. I still have a ton of faith in Zach Wilson. But let's take a quick look at this draft class by the New York Jets. The J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So, yes, you know, Derek Stingley was off the board at number three. So they take back-to-back corners with Sauce Gardner at number four. They have number 10 wide receiver out of Ohio State, Garrett Wilson, who was my number one wide receiver. Uh, Drake London, who I'm going to talk about, went the first wide receiver off the board. But then they also somehow get a guy who was projected to go in the 10 to 15 range with Jermaine Johnson, one of the highest rising edge guys in this draft with the 26th pick overall. And they traded up for him. And they also traded up for the running back, Brees Hall, out of Iowa State with pick 36. They also took a tight end. Another guy whose stock has risen drastically out of Ohio State, Jeremy Rucker with 101. Then they built that offensive line, which has some questions with Max Mitchell at 112. And Michael Clemens at 117, the defensive end out of Texas A&M. So they didn't have a ton of outside, you know, deep picks after 117. Like I said, they traded up a good bit. 
But for me with this draft class, I just take a look at these guys here, and it seems like these are all guys who are going to contribute right away. Like I said, you have Sauce Gardner, this physical press corner who didn't allow a single touchdown in college. And for me, that was a a home run pick. You know, Salah is a defensive-minded coach. I knew that he was going to, you know, pick heavy on defense in this draft, which he did. Um, And he's going to build around that. But he needed some key guys of the future to really build this team around. And for me, of course, Sauce Gardner was a home run pick. And then Garrett Wilson, adding that weapon for Zach Wilson, for your quarterback of the future to succeed is so important. Um, For me, Garrett Wilson was the safest bet in this draft. I uh, like how he is after the catch. I like how he is route running. He's, you know, he can make big plays deep. He's a little bit smaller, but that's okay. He's different than what they have on the team right now. Um, they do have more there. They have Corey Davis, who's a bigger guy. Um, they're pretty high on Mims, but we'll see what that wide receiver room really pans out to be. But for me, Garrett Wilson, I like after them going after Tyreek Hill, we knew that the Jets were in on the wide receiver sweepstakes. So I had them either going Drake London or Garrett Wilson. Who knows if they wanted Drake London uh, more than they wanted Garrett Wilson because, like I said, he was who was left on the board. But for me and their fit on the team, I think Garrett Wilson fits what they want to do, and I think Zach Wilson would really appreciate this pick as well. And then Jermaine Johnson, that Juco guy, the guy who transferred from Georgia over to Florida State. He, he flashed on tape. He wasn't the you know household name. Um, until like the senior bowl um, and just leading up to the draft, his name, you know, like I said, just it rose so high. You go back and watch the game versus Notre Dame. He's flashing on tape. He's getting to the quarterback. He's just plowing through offensive linemen. Great techniques for me, skill wise. And, you know, long-term wise, I feel like Jermaine Johnson can be the better uh, edge rusher, you know, pass rusher in this draft. That's with Walker and Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. Jermaine Johnson is just a freak athlete, and he's going to have no trouble getting to the quarterback. Uh, I feel like I'm not alone on that. A lot of people that I've talked to prefer Jermaine Johnson long-term, like I said, skill-wise, technique, how they get to the quarterback over a Hutchinson and a Thibodeau and a Walker, which is going to surprise a lot of people to hear that. But that's how great this pick was, getting him in that, that 26 spot and he was projected to go top 10. I don't think that was just smoke leading up to the draft. I think, you know, after those, you know, three guys that went off the board uh, with Walker, Hutchinson, and Thibodeau, of course, you know, the edge wasn't as much of a need throughout those little, you know, middle parts there. But the Jets knew him falling to that spot was phenomenal value. And like I said, you add Brees Hall, the number one running back in this draft, trading up to get him. They said they tried trading up in the first round again uh, to get him, and it just didn't go through. The trade wasn't completed. I don't know who it was with, anything like that. But trading up to the second round to get him at pick 36 where they did, he's going to be such a great skill guy for that offense. You know, Not even with you know what they have with Michael Carter, um, but just another weapon, once again, for Zach Wilson to build off of. And Brees Hall, I mean, he had like the longest stretch of games with a touchdown. And I loved what he did at Iowa State. You know, say what you want about Big 12 defenses, but I don't care. Brees Hall flashed on tape and he showed everything. He's a three down back. Um, he's, you know, good in pass protection. He's great in receiving the ball. He can do everything that you really want him to do 
And if you're a Jets fan, those first four picks right there alone are home runs. And then Jeremy Rucker, who was probably one of the fastest rising tight ends of the draft. You saw his name. You know, he was overshadowed by this, of course, legendary wide receiver room that Ohio State had last year and the year before. But he's a sure hands guy. I was so impressed by Ruckert at the Senior Bowl. I was like, man, this guy, this, like he was finally getting his chance at the Senior Bowl to just show what he could do outside of, you know, being surrounded by Olave, Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I was thoroughly impressed by what I saw by Ruckert. I really wanted to draft Ruckert um, as a Washington fan. So getting him at 101, once again, great value. And that's what I'm seeing a lot with the Jets. They were aggressive. They wanted you know, certain guys and they did whatever they had to do to get them. But then also with some of these later picks, which <laughs> not too late because it's still in the 100s, still getting that value and filling big needs. And that's where Max Mitchell from uh, Louisiana Lafayette comes in and fills in tackle spots. And there's a lot of questions here. So like I said, Max Mitchell pick 112. They don't know what that offensive line really looks like. You have to protect Zach Wilson. People were saying they might go one of these tackles early on. They didn't. Like I said, there's a ton of questions on the tackle line. People don't know what's going to go on with the New York Jets' offensive line. That's going to be something to watch as we lead up to the draft. But Max Mitchell, people were really high on Max Mitchell over there at Louisiana Lafayette. They had a lot of guys come into this draft. But filling that need, I think he can come in and start right away. And then Texas A&M defensive end Michael Clemens, pick 117, building on that line, giving Jermaine Johnson a guy he can run with at the 117 mark. So just every pick, there was a plan for it. That's what I really noticed about it. There was a plan in place for each of these guys. They didn't care about these late-round picks. They wanted to get guys who were going to come in right away, contribute to the team, and get a lot of good starts. So for me, my grade for the New York Jets, I gave them an A. It's not a ton of picks, but sometimes quality is better than quantity. I'd rather have six or seven guys who I know are going to start right away and have great contributions to the team than to have like 12 picks and there's just a couple duds in there. So for me, the Jets killed this draft. I love how aggressive they were. I love the plan that they had in place. Now, speaking of guys and teams who are going to get a lot of use out of the draft class, I like this draft class more than a lot of people. And that's the Atlanta Falcons. And for me, the Atlanta Falcons, yes, we know what they're going through. They're losing a lot. They lost Matt Ryan. They lost Calvin Ridley um, for the year. And who knows if he's going to come back or not. But for me, I look at this draft class and I'm thoroughly impressed from top to bottom. Of course they go number eight overall. We knew that they were going to get a wide receiver. I thought it would be Garrett Wilson, but they go wide receiver out of USC Drake London, the big body wide receiver, um, pairing him with Kyle Pitts, pairing him with Coriel Patterson. You really see some offensive weapons in Atlanta. Penn State edge, Arnold Ibikite, 38 overall, great pass rusher. I love his tapes. Another guy at the Senior Bowl that was just plowing over offensive linemen. But if you watch Penn State games, this guy seems to be on the backfield every single play. Montana State linebacker Troy Anderson, one of the most athletic linebackers to ever test on the relative athletic score. Such a raw guy. Used to play quarterback and then transition to linebacker. There's such upside for him. Getting him at 58 was not a reach at all. This is around where people were projected. This guy was an underrated spotlight for many, many media guys out there. People loved Troy Anderson going into this draft. So for me, home run. And then, of course, you get your quarterback. 
And I think Desmond Ritter at 74, quarterback out of Cincinnati, I think Desmond Ritter is going to start more than we think in the first year. Yes, I know. Like I said, Matt Ryan's gone. They they finally go out and get a quarterback. But for me, Desmond Ritter, I saw him win a lot of games. Yes, there's some question marks there. I get it. But he just flat out wins games. And I, I think what you see off the field – the, the leadership that people loved with him. They really they really were around him. The same goes for Marcus Mariota. I feel like he, he's a great quarterback, mobile guy. I kind of see some Desmond Ritter in his game. You know, maybe Mariota might be the more ready guy as he was a backup over um, with the Raiders. They brought him over after sending out Matt Ryan. But for me, I like Desmond Ritter to come in and start earlier than we think. I, I think they're, you know, fully invested in him, getting him at 74 letting him fall. <laughs> there was a lot of smoke that people said that he would somehow get into like the middle of the late first round. I never thought that was going to happen. Um, but for me, Desmond Reader, he he might just be the future for the Atlanta Falcons at quarterback. And then D'Angelo Malone, this guy had a ton of sacks at Western Kentucky. Another guy that was at the senior bowl that was turning heads. Another big name guy that people were like, hey, we didn't really hear about this guy up until now. But the more we dive into his tapes, the more that we watch, the more that we hear this guy being talked about. D'Angelo Malone is one of the most underrated edge guys in this draft. He's going to come in at pick 82. He's going to get many snaps on a team that needed edge rush help. They go and get uh, Ibikite, and they go and get Malone. So those are two guys who I see getting a ton of snaps their first season. And then BYU running back Tyler Algier, they cut Mike Davis recently. So getting a running back at 151 there, not terrible value at all. I like Tyler's game. I saw BYU run all over uh, Virginia. I saw Tyler Algier run all over a bunch of people. But the play that really stood out to me from Tyler was when Arizona State intercepted a ball, he sprinted down the sideline, jumped on the guy's back, and punched the ball out from behind after jumping on his back. Just the hustle plays like that. Not even just his running ability. So, for me, I think this is a great pick for the Falcons. Once again, I think he comes in and gets a lot of snaps. You have guard Justin Schaefer out of Georgia at 190. Their offensive line needs help. you got to protect Ritter or Mariota, whoever's going to be quarterbacking. There were some questions around Justin Schaefer. I think, you know, you can kind of move him around the line. But you needed help on the offensive line. And then you add another weapon, some depth at tight end. Another Georgia player, tight end. John Fitzpatrick at 213 for the Falcons. So I like this draft a lot here. Um, like I said, I, for me, what stands out is I see a lot of these guys starting early. I think most, if not all of them, you know, maybe the last two, I think Schaefer can get um, some good rips, reps in. But for me, just I think the Falcons are going to get a lot of good use out of these guys. So I'm excited to see what happens with this Falcons draft. They're heading the right way. You got to start somewhere. You know, the Saints are great on defense. Panthers have been building that defense for years. Then you have the Bucs. Tom Brady's back. Like, what are you doing to compete? And they got some offensive weapons to help. Like I said, they have Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Cordell Patterson, uh, Tyler Algier in the back. We don't know who's going to play quarterback. It's going to be Ritter or Mariota. But at the end of the day, I, th I think they're headed in the right direction. You can't help what happened with Calvin Ridley. Like, it's unfortunate. But you have to respond some way. I think they did a great job. And then once again, getting two edge rushers with Ibikite and Malone on the outside to help get to those quarterbacks in the, in the NFC South. So Falcons, I give them an A-. I think I like this class a lot more than a lot of people will. 
And I think they're going to surprise some people in some team, uh, some teams in some games this year. I don't see them winning the NFC South, but I think they're going to be better than people expect. But I, I see them really building for the future. Now, a team that's been good for a long time now went through some crazy changes offseason. They lost to Tyron Matthew and they lost to Tyreek Hill. You know, they signed Justin Reen. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, they made some key additions. Um, they lost a key corner on the outside. But what did the Chiefs do to come back? They pretty much said, hey, guys, we're not going to sweat it. Tyreek Hill is a huge loss. But we weren't comfortable paying that kind of money to a, what, 28-year-old wide receiver. So let's take a look at the Chiefs draft and how they really killed this, in my opinion. So they get one of the top corners in that 21 range with Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Washington with Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon just had a phenomenal duo at corner. Kind of reminded me of what Cincinnati had on the outside. Then they add one of the slept-on edge guys in this draft with George Karloftis at pick 30. They need some edge-rushing help. You know, they have Jones. They have Frank Clark there. They need some more guys on the line that can get to some quarterbacks in the AFC West, which now has Khalil Mack. Uh, they now have Chandler Jones. They have Randy Gregory, Max Crosby. Like, there's just – there's a ton of edge-rushing guys, both on the Chargers. There's the NFC – I mean, the AFC West is just loaded with great offenses and generational edge guys. So they add to that line. Then they replace Tyreek Hill with the guy who has been linked to the Chiefs for such a long time. The most popular, the hip guy like in this draft season was, in fact, Sky Moore, wide receiver out of Western Michigan at pick 54. Now, I didn't think it would happen. But some people had him as a late first-round pick. Some people thought that the Chiefs would get him at 30. And the fact that they didn't, and they waited 24 more picks and got him at 54, to me, is what really killed this draft. And then they just add more on defense, that secondary where they need help. Brian Cook, another guy that was talked about a lot, safety out of Cincinnati at 62. People knew he was going to be drafted much higher than you know was projected in the offseason, and then just seems like really late. Brian Cook was the hot name at safety. So they add in the backfield for that secondary. And then Wisconsin linebacker Leo Chanel, one of these athletic freaks, versatile guy. They have him at linebacker. You can kind of play him in a lot of spots. You can play him at a weak side linebacker. You can have him as like a, a big nickel, like a kind of like a money backer kind of role in like a big dime or a big nickel defense. Getting him at 103. Then they get my guy, Joshua Williams, who I talked to this offseason. Um, HBCU out of Fayetteville State corner. Long, lengthy, <laughs> rangy guy. Uh, they they really added to this cornerback room with Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams at 135. Just physicality, press guys who can keep up with really good wide receivers. I saw Joshua Williams at the Senior Bowl be one of the most physical corners there. And then they, they build that offensive line with a big, strong, dominant Darian Kennard out of Kentucky, offensive tackle at 145, just protecting Holmes. We saw what he did when he was running from his life in the Super Bowl uh, against the uh, Buccaneers. So they're building up that offensive line. For me, the, the key things they really needed to do was replace Tyreek Hill. They did. They needed to protect Pat Mahomes. They did. And they needed to build that secondary, which was really bad at times. The corner spot. 
was weak, but that safety spot was bad too. And they really did that. And Washington State corner, Jalen Watson. He's he's listed as a corner at pick 243, but he can also play safety. He's a very versatile guy. Um, you know, Jim Nagy at the senior bowl spoke really high of Jalen Watson, and I saw why. Once I saw this guy on one and ones, when I saw him at the game, for me, I just came away from Jalen Watson saying, like, this guy is versatile and he fits what the NFL is really looking for right now. Then they add a running back with Isaiah uh, Pacheco out of Rutgers, another one of these kind of slept on players. Um, they add to that running back room at 251. And then once again, another corner out of Marshall, Nazi Johnson at 259. So for me, the Chiefs. I give him a great A because you filled all the needs, but then you also seem to somehow get the best players available and Sky Moore falling to them right where he did. I feel like if that wasn't planned, they got lucky. I feel like a lot of people really expected him to, to go at 30, but they took George Karloftis, who once again was kind of that guy. I mean, he was like a consensus, like top 10 guy for a while. Um, and then it seemed like as everything went on with Senior Bowl, the Combine, Pro Days, other names got hot and heated up, rose up. He's the one that kind of slipped down. You know, Jermaine Johnson kind of jumped him and just you know hit the ground running, and he was just that guy that kind of fell backwards. So for the Chiefs, they look good. I, I, I have no concerns, which sucks. I'm not a huge Chiefs fan, honestly. Um, but I, I don't see them really having any problems in this season coming up. With all the the key losses that they had, they did a good job of filling in those needs. Now, (laughs) I gave them an A, but for me, the one team that killed the draft, everyone knows who it is. They get an A-plus for me. And they seem to always be drafting, you know, the best drafts. Even back to when Ozzie Newsome was there. In his last draft class, getting Lamar Jackson where he did. And that is the Baltimore Ravens, who just flat out destroyed this draft. They took your mock draft, they ripped it up, threw it in the trash can, and they said, hey, everybody else, this is how you draft. We're going to let a generational safety, who y'all say is too high of a, you know, the position value is not good enough to take him top 10. We're going to let Kyle Hamilton fall to us at 14. We have our future at safety. But you know what? We're going to do one even better. Same thing. Positional value on a center with Tyler Linderbaum at 25 overall, who can play guard, but had no business going 25 overall. Talent-wise, he is a top 10 pick. For me, he is the safest guy in this draft who is going to be an all-pro at some point in his career. Tyler Linderbaum is a damn good offensive lineman, one of the most dominating in the last few years. I have very high regards for Tyler Lindeball. And I, I'm telling you, he is going to be, I, I don't care about Pro Bowl, you know, the popular voting. I'm saying all pro Tyler Lindeball. And then you have Michigan edge, David Ajabo, who had the Achilles injury falling to 45. Once again, another guy who was considered a, you know, easy top 10 pick. But Harbaugh calls his brother up. They talk about David Ajabo. They talk about the injury. He has no problem taking him there at 45. You know, we see Achilles injuries, most, you know, one of the most popular ones, Kevin Durant came back just fine. I think Ajabo will be fine. You know, it might take some time. He might miss the first season, but that's okay. If you get the kind of production, the kind of, you know, that, that, that high motor that Ajabo played with when he was at Michigan, right there with Hutchinson getting to the quarterback, not next year, but the year after that, you're completely fine with him and taking him at 45. No problem at all. There's such 
upside to a job still left to come. And then you have Travis Jones, one of the top defensive tackles that once again, name heated up in the off season. People said, Hey, this guy's no joke. He's going to go in the top 50. You get him at 76. Great value. Daniel Falele, the biggest human being I've ever seen. A top offensive tackle at 110. Your running back room's getting hurt. Lamar Jackson's running for his life. You got guys leaving, retiring, whatever. Build that offensive line. You did it with Tyler Lindebaum, and by God, you're putting Daniel Falele on the outside. He's going to start. So far, all these guys, you know, minus Ojabo, but when he comes back, they're all going to start. Then they took a look at a cornerback room that had a lot of injuries. Yes, this guy had some injuries as well. Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama, you know, kind of missed that season. I feel like he had a great opportunity to really catapult his name, but that injury kept him out. But the upside is there for Jalen Armour Davis. You know, high-end recruit, pick 119. You know, Baltimore knows how to develop these guys. They they look at Jalen Armour Davis as a project but with a lot of potential. Then you build up, you know, give Lamar another weapon on tight end with Charlie Kolar. Great hands. You know, red zone threat for them out of Iowa State at pick 128. They take Jordan Stout, the you know, apparently the best punter in the draft. Some people thought it was the punt god out of uh, San Diego State. But nonetheless, at pick 130 Penn State, Jordan Stout, he can't kick too. I mean, he was making crazy 50-yard field goals at Penn State. But now they have Tucker and Stout. They have arguably probably the number the best, you know, special teams unit out there right now. Then they draft one of my guys, adding another third tight end with Charlie Kolar and, and Mark Andrews in this crowded tight end room now. But Isaiah likely, one of the best route running tight ends in the entire draft. The receiving threat is there at 139. Yes, they traded away Hollywood Brown. Did they draft a wide receiver? No. But they got two guys who were absolutely going to contribute on the offense with Charlie Kolar and Isaiah Likely, who are going to catch a lot of passes. Like I said, you're, going to, you're not going to put Isaiah Likely you know, as an inline tight end. He's going to be lined up to go vertical. He's going to just split the middle of the defense wide open. Then you have Demarion Williams, another corner. Like I said, they had a lot of injuries last year. A lot of random guys were stepping up for the Ravens at that corner spot at 141. Then adding one of my favorite running backs in this draft, just a straight-up weapon, Tyler Batty out of Missouri at 196. I saw this guy run some crazy routes at the Senior Bowl. I mean, not even just wheel routes or you know screens. This guy was running some legit routes. Him and Rashard White was two of the guys that really caught my attention. So I think the Ravens are adding phenomenal value. The there you couldn't get any better when it comes to value in the draft. But they also filled their need with every single pick. I would have liked them to, to get a wide receiver. Um, you know they're super high on Rashad Bateman, and rightfully so. You know he was your key guy um, last year. So I like what the Ravens are doing though. I mean they're they're building around everything, and then of course they have to pay Lamar Jackson coming up soon. But you still, you give him some weapons. They have a young wide receiver room, but that tight end room is nasty. Uh, you know, he loves uh, Andrews, but I think he's going to really like Kolar and Isaiah Likely as well. I love this draft class. So for me, those are the four winners after watching this draft. 
Uh, there were some other ones out there. You know, Green Bay made some questionable picks early, going defense, defense, but then they just completely turned it around. So I'll give them an, an honorable mention uh, because at first I was like, this is going to be the worst draft in the entire NFL. But then they turned it around getting Christian Watson late. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, who I think is going to be uh, a guy that Aaron Rodgers really likes a lot. I think those are two very underrated wide receivers. Of course, Christian Watson was getting a ton of hype, um, but getting him where they did. The same with Dobbs, waiting a little bit. You know, they didn't get the Drake London or Garrett Wilson, anything like that, but still filled in that wide receiver room because Aaron Rodgers is going to need it after Devontae Adams left. The same with MVS. But these are my four winners. So tell me who you think really won this draft and why. If it's not one of these four teams, exactly who is it? And, of course, I'm going to take a look at the biggest losers of the draft. And it's not the Packers, but I can give you a little sneak peek. The Patriots are probably going to be at the top. I'm looking forward to doing that episode. But, as always, subscribe and like. And head over to Price Picks and sign up. And don't forget to use TakeOver so you can get that 100% bonus match up to $100. Because there's a lot of good things going on right now with the MLB. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs is going on. So a lot of action to get into. And as always, I'm Josh Taylor here on the Draft Takeover Podcast. See y'all later.